want to share with you just a few things uh, about 2017 and uh, really, uh, you know, and I really had thought that I wasn't going to do any kind of Vision Sunday this year because I just didn't feel like that that's what the Lord had, but I just can't get away from this. And so I'm coming to keep coming back to it, come back to it. And so I just felt like that I needed to share. And so I want to give you just a brief recap on a few things that happened last year. As I said, last year was a great year for us as a church. Um, you know, in 2016, we paid off our church, so the church has no debt, praise the Lord. And uh, that's a big deal. And uh, why? Because that gives us options to do ministry with. And I'm not opposed to debt necessarily, but I've, been, I've had a lot of debt, and I've not had a lot of debt. And not having it's a lot better. And, uh, you know, and especially in the life of a church, uh, I don't want to be so um, tied down to a note that we can't do ministry the way that we feel led to do it. And uh, so that was kind of a big priority for us. And so we finished paying off this property and, uh, in 2016, and then in this last year, uh, you know, we've done some things around the building, this and that, and just getting some things um, updated or whatever uh, over the last couple of years. But uh, so last year we saw a, a decent amount of growth last year uh, just in our attendance. And that's a great thing for a church to have. But how many of you have noticed that parking spots are becoming fewer and fewer? And that's even with people parking next door on property that we don't own, but they allow us use of, praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, and so there are some challenges that, you know, I say it this way is that we have problems. They're all good problems, but they're still problems. And, uh, and if you have kids and the toddlers or the nursery or the kids area, you notice that, hey, it's getting a little tight back there in some places. And those are all good problems to have. And let me just say this up front. I'm not building a building yet. And, uh, but that's not happening right now. But, uh, you know, so we saw a tremendous growth. And so last year, one of the things that I shared with you, a goal that we had set at the beginning of the year was we wanted to uh, give $5,000 specifically in the area of missions. And I'm happy to report that we met that and exceeded that uh, in some ways. And so we were able to do all kinds of stuff with that money that you all had sown last year. And so, you know, I don't talk about that a lot. I probably maybe I should talk about it more. But, you know, you can give to missions and we support missionaries with that. But we also do local outreaches with that. Uh, here in the fall, we did a, a teacher uh, gift basket uh, right at the beginning of school to the teachers next door to us. And, you know, we had several of them just write us cards saying, thank you so much. And, you know, I mean, it was just such um, it was just such a, a kind, thoughtful thing. And, you know, and there are practical things that we can do like that that make a difference. And any time that we do anything like that, I'm not just doing it to be nice. I'm doing it to sow seed. Why? Because the kingdom of God is built on the seed. If you want something, you need to start sowing towards it. And, uh, you know, and so it's just a principle that, that I believe in wholeheartedly. And, uh, you know, and so then we did, so we had been a part of that. And we had also helped Agape House several different times with, uh, you know, different things. And then, of course, uh, you know, which this doesn't necessarily fall under our missions. But we do, you know, uh, the tailgate and the EXO conference. And we do all those kinds of things. And it's a tremendous blessing, not just to us and for our church, but also to people who come. And, uh, you know, and so we'll continue doing those kinds of things. But uh, so those were a few things that went on. And so the way I look at our missions, just to kind of give you a brief overview of it, is this, is that I believe, especially moving forward, you'll hear as we kind of expand it more and more, is that there's three facets that I see in Acts chapter one that I believe that as a church, we have a responsibility to reach into, which is local, national and global. I believe, you know, and right now we more do local and global. But we want to do more locally because, uh, you know, I, I just believe that, uh, you know, that it's best that we ought to sow some seeds in our own backyard. 
I don't think we should just send money to Africa or just send money to the Philippines or just there's not and there's nothing wrong with that. We should do that and we do that. Um, Brother Paul will be here in a few weeks. We've supported him pretty much since the beginning of our church. Uh, we support him every month. And, uh, you know, and so he's leading a, a Bible school, training up pastors and leaders to go all over Tanzania and Eastern Africa, um, you know, and so he'll tell you more about that. But it gives us the ability to do that. But one of the things that I've had in my heart actually for over a year, about a year and a half now, um, is the Agape House, which I'm not going to say a lot of detail about this, but I do want to just kind of put it out there, is they're an orphanage. They help foster kids. They're involved with the foster care system. And we're going to help them build a a house. We're going to build a room. It's going to cost about $10,000 for our commitment to do it. They're going to build a house that will house kind of preteen teenagers, uh, which right now they they have a home primarily just for children, but they're going to be building a new home. Well, I've already committed us to pay for a room. Like, well, where's that money come from? I don't know yet, but we're going to do it. You know, I mean, we're going to do that. And why? Here's, here's one of the reasons why. I just said it a minute ago. I believe in the principle of the seed. We're not too far away from needing to build a building. If I want to build a building, then I need to start sowing into some buildings from the church. It's just a principle. See, this is not principles that I just tell you about, but we don't live as a church. We will model it as a church. I'll, I'll talk about some of these things this morning. And so we're going to begin to do that. We're going to start setting some things aside, and we're not just going to wait till we got the money to give it. We're going to start sowing it. Um, you know, now I don't have an exact date on when they're starting to build it. I believe it's later this year. Um, I don't remember the exact date, um, but I went and met with the leaders. And so, you know, so one of the things I would just encourage you with is that yes, we did increase. You know, we actually set a missions giving budget of $5,000. Well, this year we're changing it. We're upping it to $7,500. And so I'm just going to ask you to pray about it. If the Lord puts it on your heart to give, give. You can give one time. You can give multiple times. You can, we have people that do it every month. It's up to you. But just pray and ask the Lord. If that's something that's in your heart, the way you do that is you mark it on the envelope to missions. And you give towards that. And I believe that it will uh, not just be a blessing for other people, but you can't sow that you won't reap. Right? And so uh, those are some of the things that, uh, you know, that we're doing. And so uh, one of the other things, and I'll just tell you this, because usually I put up all these numbers up on the screen. But financially, last year, we had almost a 30% increase in our giving to the church. If you really want to know, it's 29.4%. Yes, I'm a numbers person. And, uh, you know, and so, and you say, well, why is that? Well, why did that happen? And it's because the church is growing, because people are giving, because people believe in the vision. And, you're, and you may even have the thought of, man, that's great. That means I don't have to give. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Why would you want to do that to yourself? And, I, and look, and I don't mean that in a wrong way, but God will bless you when you're generous. It's just a principle. Let me say it another way. I'm not asking you to do anything I don't do. So all I'm saying is that we want to give and we want God to bless us. We want God to increase us. And it would be great if the vision was just inside of these four walls. Hey, our building's paid for. Great. But there's a lot of people in El Dorado that don't know Jesus. There's a lot of people who maybe know about Jesus, but they don't have a home or a family here in a few minutes. But, you know, um, you know, and, and so we have we're in a great place as a church. Many of you have come over the last year, last two, last three, whatever it's been. Uh, me and Dara have been here for three and a half years. And so, uh, you know, we've seen God bless us. But I'm telling you, it's just the beginning. Don't be limited by what you know or what you have seen. 
uh, there is because God has more in store and more in mind for us. And so uh, before I really get into what I want to share with you this morning, I just want to I shared this last year, but I want to share it again, which is this is our core values as a church. So in other words, this is the motivation behind everything that we do. So this is our heartbeat, if you will. And so even as I'm praying about anything that we do as a church, I always run it by this lens. In other words, this qualifies if something matches up with our vision or not. And uh, so uh, our core values are really this. Number one, it's we believe big. I will not play it safe. I live by faith. We live by faith. We are people of faith. We don't apologize for that. I believe God for big, audacious things. Why? Because he's big and audacious himself. And I think it pleases God. Uh, I just do. And so, you know, uh, over, you know, and I would say, well, I would also say it this way, is that we pray faith-filled prayers because we serve a great big God. You know, Ephesians 3 verse 20 says this. Let me go to the right translation that I want to read out of. Hold on. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ to all generations forever and ever. It says, Now unto him who is what? Able to do what? More than you could dream. You have your dreams. God says, I can do more than that. I'll go even beyond what you can conceive or what you can dream up. God says, I can do more if what? You will simply believe that. We're going to simply trust in my word and in my promises for you. So because of that, we're going to believe big. We're not going to play it safe. We're going to believe big. We're going to stretch big. We're going to sow big. Why? Because we understand whose kingdom we're building and it's not ours. I'm not here to get a name. I'm not here to build my church. It ain't my church. It's Jesus' church that I'm responsible for to a degree. I'm responsible to do what he tells me to do. But it is his church and it's his name that I want to make famous, not mine. And I don't want us just to have a name in town. I want us to make a difference in our community. A name means nothing because people still go to hell. People are still hurting. People are still wounded. People still need to come in contact with a real God who can really help them. That's what I care about. That's why I get up every day. That's why I pray every day. That's why I seek God. That's why I get up in the pulpit and preach. Why? Because I believe there's nothing that can change us like the word of God. The presence of God. And so we believe big. That's crazy. We are going to believe big. If you're not uncomfortable every now and then, you may not be believing God very much either. God has a way of making you uncomfortable and it brings him delight. Not because he's going to leave you out there and hang you out to dry, but because he wants to show himself strong on your behalf. And so we're going to believe big. Number two, we love and we serve selflessly. We walk in love and we serve graciously. In other words, we put other people first. It's not always about me and what I need and what I want. Let me say it this way. With our parking spots, we love and we serve selfishly. In other words, we prefer somebody else to park closer than we do. Just a thought. You say, well, why would I do that? Because if people don't see spots available, they will drive right past. Because they will say there's no room. Number three, we care for the lost, the hurting, and the sick. 
Yes, I have title of pastor, but the Bible says that we all have a ministry of what? Reconciliation, winning people back to Christ. So we need to be paying attention. We ought to be looking. God, do you want to use me? Do you want to speak through me today? Do you want me to touch somebody's life today? Do you, you know, how do you want to use me? Because guess what? He does. And so it's up to you, though. But, but so who we are, we care. We take it like a personal mission, personal responsibility. We care for people that are hurting. We care for the lost. Why? Because God cares. And because he cares, we care. Because he loves, we love. Because he serves, we serve. Number four is we live out generosity. We give big. Why? Because we're blessed. We have an understanding that we are blessed to be a blessing. God has given us resources and we're to steward those resources. You may think you earned your paycheck. You need to go read the Bible. Because the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. And we are to steward what he puts in our hands. Why? Because my life means you're the supreme ruler of my life. I mean, God could have asked for more than the tithe. But he didn't. And so, you know, but even for us as a church, we're going to give. We're going to sow. Even to the point that I hope it makes you uncomfortable. I, I mean that sincerely. I want to do things that may not even make sense. Like, I'll just give you an example of this. And I don't have any idea. I would love to be able to sow a significant seed into another church in our community. Just to stick it to the devil. Because we're not just about our church. We're about growing the kingdom of God. And, And so, you know, I have no idea what that means. But I'm just telling you, if I have the opportunity, we will. Why? Because I don't want it to be about us. I want it to be about Jesus and I want it to be about people and people coming in contact with kingdom builders in our city, our region, the world. And this happens by reaching one more person by the power of Christ. How do we reach and how do we influence? And I'll be sharing more in detail about this this morning as well. Um, so the, the sixth thing is this, is that we believe every person is gifted. Every one of you are gifted. You have giftings. You have things that God has placed in you for his purpose and for his good pleasure. And and so it's a matter of tapping into your giftings, your abilities, those things that God has for you. Why? Because when you step into it, not only do you find your purpose, but you also maximize the impact that you can have for the kingdom of God as well. And so, you know, those are kind of our six core values. Those are the motivation. Everything that we move towards is in that. And so, you know, I want to share with you in these next few minutes together this morning. and, And I titled this, The Church That I See. It's just things that, and some of it is our vision. And so... I realize that some of you may not uh, know necessarily uh, what our vision is or what our purpose is as a church. You know, uh, when I first became pastor of the church, I don't remember how many weeks. It was six, seven, eight weeks. I don't know. But I taught a, a message called the, uh, the purpose of the church. And it's just defining, like, why are we here? I think sometimes we need to ask that question. You ever ask that question about your own life? Like, God, why? I think we ought to, does Elder Ada just need another church? Or do we have a specific purpose and reason why we're here? Well, I think we ought to know that. I think that's very important. Why? Because if we know why we're here, it tells us what to do. Same thing is true for you. If you know why God has you here, you'll know what to do. The call determines the the plan, the path that you walk. And and so it's important for you as a church and even as, and I'll say this real quick and just, uh, you know, I, I'd gotten away in December for a few days and was just praying about this coming year and, um, you know, and just really finding out God's 
heart for this year. You know, I just firmly believe the Word of God, uh, that it actually is true, and that if we'll live according to the Word of God, life will work a lot better. And, uh, and so I, do, I try to do this at the end of every year, just start praying about, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the next year. And so uh, as I was praying, though, one of the things that the Lord put in my heart, and I don't, I don't know that I quite heard it uh, the way as clearly as maybe I should, but it was close. And, uh, but it was this, is that I really felt very strongly to start making preparations for our future, specifically in the area of acquisitions and expansion, which in my mind meant start saving some money. Like, that's what I thought. Well, little did I know by the time I got home that there was a property around us for sale. And so we are in talks right now and trying to move towards purchasing and starting to acquire some property around us. Why? Because we don't have enough land to do what's in my heart to do. Uh, And it's hard to build a building on land you don't own. It's kind of illegal. And, uh, you know, and then even if we build a building or build some structures or that, you got to have parking. So, you know, for us to be able to facilitate those things, we're going to start acquiring some property and starting to do some things around us because I believe that we are in the right location. Uh, I don't believe a lot of people have asked, well, why wouldn't we just move? Because I don't believe we're supposed to. And I believe that this is where God has for us. And so that leaves us. One option. If we're not moving, we need more land. So, you know, we're kind of uh, walking that out right now, looking into a few things. And so uh, I just didn't realize that those things would come up so quickly. Um, you know, and so we're just believing God. And you're like, well, do you have the money? Well, no, I don't have the money today. But it's not my vision. It's not my church. It's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to lead the church the way that the Lord instructs me to lead it. And that's his problem. Because here's what I believe. I believe God will do it in such a supernatural way. I do. That we will be like, did that just happen? You know, there's a a verse in in Psalms that says this, that when God turned the captivity of the children of Israel, they were like those who dreamed. We would say it this way. Can somebody pinch me because this is really happening? That would be, that's the way I would write that verse. It happens so fast, and I think God will do it just as a sign to say what? You're on the right path. You guys are moving in the right direction, and I believe that God is not, and I believe God has given us favor, but I believe that it's just the tip of the iceberg for what God does. And so I say it this way, is that we are Luke 4, uh, 4, 18 and 19 church. So let me read these verses to you. He says, and this is, uh, Jesus stands up uh, In the temple, and he begins to declare, it's actually a prophetic word from uh, the book of Isaiah, but he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And so if you notice that most of what Jesus talks about here is helping people. One way or another, he's helping If you're blind, you can see. If you're lame, you will walk. If you're poor, you don't have to be poor. I mean, he's helping. So I would say it this way, is that a church, really by, because if this is Jesus' church, then we should probably be like Jesus, right? That's just, that's what I hold to. And since I'm the pastor, that's what we do, right? And, uh, but I believe that we should model who Jesus was as a church. And so the way that I would paraphrase this is our church should be much more like a hospital than it is a resort. This is not a country club where we come to pat each other on the back and love each other, although we will do that, but we're here to help. We're here to help one another. We're here to pray for one another. We're here to minister to one another. We're here to help each other along, encouraging one another to what? To step into what God has for us. And so that's who we are as a church. We are a helping church. 
We're not here just to bless each other. There's nothing wrong with that. We're here to make sure that what? That we are all growing together. That's the heart of God. He wants to see us grow. I love this verse. It's the second part of 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. This is speaking about Jesus. But he says, The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Anything the devil was up to, Jesus said, I'm going to overthrow it. I love that because that's attitude. See, Jesus had a lot more attitude than I think we probably think uh, from Scripture. My favorite uh, rendition of Jesus is braiding a whip in the temple. That's my kind of Jesus. He's got some attitude. He's got a little bit of something behind him. He's not just a weak, timid person. He is going to be what? Aggressive, for lack of a better term. How many of you realize that? That that is your Jesus, whether you realize whether or not. He's not coming back on a cloud. He's coming back on a horse with a sword. (laughs) Maybe that's the picture you need to get. With a shout leading what? Angels or armies of angels is what the Bible says. Well, that's not the meek and mild Christ that we like to paint pictures of. You know, and there's another verse here over in Matthew chapter 16. that, I, And you'll understand why I'm sharing these verses with you here in a moment. But in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 15. Now, this is the account of where Jesus goes to the disciples and he's asking them. He says, who, does, who do men say that I am? And they say, oh, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say this. Some say that. But Jesus asks them a very pointed question. He says, but who do you say that I am? Because it matters who you say Jesus is. If you think Jesus is weak, you serve a weak Jesus. Yeah. I don't mean that. Like, I don't believe that. Well, go read the Gospels. Jesus could do no mighty works amongst his hometown and his home people. Why? Because they knew him as the carpenter and refused to accept him for who he was. And it says that they limited the Holy One of Israel. If they could limit Jesus, the Messiah in the flesh, we can also limit us as a church. The ability, what God desires to do. And so he goes on, and so Jesus asks us, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, in verse 16, responds and says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus responds and says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. In other words, Peter, you're not that smart. Like, you heard the Lord. Congratulations. He says, you did not learn this from any human being. Verse 18 says, now I say to you uh, that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And so, you know, we see this now, let me just, because some people teach this, is they're saying, well, well, Peter's the rock. No, it's not. It's the revelation that he had that Jesus was the Messiah is the rock. In other words, alone is Messiah. In other words, that's the building block. The first building block is what? Of the church is that Christ alone is Messiah. Christ alone is Savior. And so if we're going to build a successful church, that's what it's going to take. Like, well, who determines if it's successful? Jesus, because it's his church. Not me. Not you. It's him. And so, you know, over in the Amplified Bible of verse 18, it says it this way. He says, and I tell you, or tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church in the gates of Hades or of hell. The powers of the infernal region shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. Now, so many times people read this verse like the devil is coming at the gates of heaven. And he says, oh, the devil will not prevail against the gates of heaven. In other words, he can't get into heaven. Well, it's actually backwards. 
What it actually is saying is hell cannot keep the power of God out. In other words, for us as a church, the devil can't do anything to stop us. But we not believing him to do what he said he would do because God wants his church to be what? Glorious, powerful, making a difference. I believe as a church that we should actually be a a vital part of our community. And I believe that many times we've sold uh, the church short. And I don't mean just us. I mean the church in general um, in this way is that we just say, well, that's just the world being the world. Well, we're called to change the world. We're called to see the world saved in Christ. Well, how do you change people? You change their heart. Well, how do you do that? You got to get them with Jesus. It's the only answer. There is no other answer. And, and so, you know, and in verse 19 of this same passage, let me click back over a New Living. It says, so Jesus says, look, hell can't keep you out. You know, over in Jude, it actually says that some people you would have to save by snatching them from the fiery flames of hell. Well, that doesn't sound passive. Well, so many times in the church, man, we become passive. We just sit back and be like, well, we're just going to pray God send people. At some point, we got to go get. I've never caught a fish sitting on my couch. Never happened. I got to put myself in position to do though, to do that. And so there are things that we need to be about. And so I want to read something to you that I wrote. And this is kind of our vision statement expanded. Um, And I'm just going to read straight through it. It'll be on the screen. And then as we have time, I may hit on a few things. But uh, I wrote it, and it's it's just called The Church I See. And and so I'm going to read it. And like I said, we'll come back, and I'll hit some highlights. And so, but I believe that this is the church that God has called us to be. In a nutshell, I think there's like, I don't know how many pieces, but... Ten pieces, I think. Ten keys of it. But this is what I see in my heart. The church I see is full of people from all walks of life. Multicultural and multi Where all are welcomed and accepted. If we ever tell somebody that they're not welcome at our church, that'll be the last day I'm the pastor of our church. I'll just tell you. Anybody is welcome at our church. I just got to read this. Sorry, I just had to say that. The church I see is full of hope because of God's incredible love for each of us. A place where the sick are healed, the hopeless find hope, where the broken are restored, where the lost found salvation and purpose, where people find and flourish in their gifts. The church I see never stops searching for the lost lost people because God never stops searching for us. I'll read that one again because it's just that good. The church I see never stops searching for lost people because God never stops searching for us. We should never forget that God came and got us. The church I see is where people find a relationship with God instead of religion. Where the sea is full of passionate worshipers lifting up their voices to God in unison. Setting the atmosphere with the presence of God. For the preaching of his word to minister in a very practical and powerful way in the hearts of all who hear. Setting those free who are bound. I see a church, or the church I see has influence and such an impact in our city that it helps shape the culture of our region and is a force for the gospel to be heard like never before, to be an agent for good and change in our community, ministering to the practical needs of people without compromising who we are. I see a church that realizes that none of this can happen on our own ability. Instead, 
They are a church committed to prayer and being independent upon the Holy Spirit. I see a church where Jesus is made famous and all glory goes to God. That's who I believe we're called to be. You know, and I realize that you're like, man, those are some big statements. Yes, they are. I will not play it safe. And if I'm going to believe God for a little bit, I'm going to believe God for a lot. I just am. Why? It doesn't take any more faith. I mean, I'm sure if you had the faith of a mustard seed. You know, and so there's a few things like, let me just start at the top. And I'm just going to walk through some of these. I said that the church that I see is full of people from all walks of life, multicultural and multigenerational. We don't want to just be your church. We want to be your kids' church. We don't want to just be your church. We want to be your parents' church. We want to be your neighbor's church. We want to be a church that ministers to everybody in every season of life, regardless of background. I believe in it's what we've been praying uh, for the last, I don't know, year, two years now, is that we would be a racially diverse church that would reflect our community. Why? Because I believe that's a sign of health in a church. I just do. You're like, well, you're talking about just having whites and blacks in the church? Well, no. I mean, if we've got Hispanics in our community, we should have some Hispanics in our church. If we have people from different walks of life, we should have, you know, I mean, here lately I've made the joke is that we're an international church. Why? Because, well, we have somebody who's German. We have somebody who's Nigerian. We have a bunch of Americans. We've got people from different walks of life. So we're part of God. Let me just make a statement. How do you tear down racism with the love of God? That's a big topic right now in our culture. You model what actual love looks like. That's how you deal with it. One relationship at a time. You deal with your own heart. You let the Holy Spirit deal with you. If there's things that you need to change, they need to change. But we ought to reflect the community that we live in. But we're going to be multi-generational. Our kids are a priority. You're a priority, but we're not. Nobody's going to get shortchanged. We will, to the best of our ability, effectively minister to every person in every season of life. Like, well, how's all that going to happen? I don't know. I don't have all the answers yet, and I may not be the one that has them all. Some of it may come through you. And I'll tell you this, if you start praying about it, it will come through you. It doesn't have to come through me. I'm perfectly okay. I'm quite secure in my position. I'm not threatened. I'm not here to be the guy in charge. I realize this is a call and that calling can be removed if I get my heart wrong. So my job is to keep my heart right and to do my part. But God will use you and God will speak to you and God will work through you. See, we may have totally different economic backgrounds, but it's okay. You know, one of the things now that I've lived here for three and a half years that I have noticed about El Dorado not being from here, it's quite divided. Um, Not necessarily just racially, but also economically. You have two groups of people, those who were raised here and those who aren't, and the two never meet. We will. That will not be our church. We will actively work to tear that down. When people come here, we all live together. We all worship the same Jesus. We're all going to the same heaven. It doesn't matter if you got a lot, if you got a little. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, Hispanic. It doesn't matter. 
This is the church that we're called to be. Is what? To create change. To make waves. To make some people feel uncomfortable. Jesus did. He did. I mean, remember the woman at the well? Well, I'm a Samaritan. Why are you talking to me? Because that was racism, by the way. If you don't know in the Bible, very clearly. And Jesus was like, what does it matter? You want to argue about something trivial. But yet, if you knew who you were talking to, you would have a different conversation. So the next one, a place where sick can be healed and the hopeless can find hope, where the broken are restored, where lost people find salvation, where people find and flourish in their gifts. That one's more self-explanatory, but here's the, in a nutshell, I want people that whenever they come, they know this, is that whatever your situation may be, it doesn't have God way. It doesn't matter what mess or what pig pen you may be sitting in right now, God will help you. You are not too far gone and you are not, God has not given up on you. That's, that's how we ought to approach every person who walks in our doors. Paul said it this way as he, he lists, you know, this long line of people who won't inherit the kingdom of God. He goes, oh, by the way, just remember you once were there too. You, you were one of them too. So God saved you, God can save them. Nobody is too far gone for the grace of God. This one here really, uh, I think, just stirs me up. But it's the third one. He says, um, the church I see never stops searching for lost people because God never stops searching for us. I'm glad God didn't give up on me. Even though I probably gave him lots of reasons for lost people. Why? Because many times they just don't know. They don't know any different. They're just living life the best they can. They're doing what they can. But yet we ought to be passionate about people who are lost. Why? Because people are dying and going to hell. And hell is a real place. And it will be a real place forever. And I don't want to stand before God saying, well, Jesus, I loved you and I went to church. And he's like, yeah, but you worked next to a guy for 15 years that I wanted you to minister to. And you never said anything. I mean, like I, I, I don't want to stand before the Lord and give an account for that. I want to have a heart. I want us to be a church where people find a relationship with God instead of religion. I don't want people to come to church just out of straight obligation. Well, that's just what you got to do. No, I want people to experience the life of God. I like this one too a lot. Well, I like all of them, but this one here involves all of us quite a bit. But I see it. The church I see is full of passionate worshipers lifting up their voices to God in unison. You know, there's a purpose to worship. It's not just that we sing songs because that's what you do in church. Some churches, maybe. Maybe they just sing their songs, they do their, their deal, and it's over. You sit down, it's over. Worship has a very different purpose. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises and the worship of his people. And I wrote this very specific, actually reworded it um, when I first wrote it down because I said... Um, I said, you know, I see a church full of passionate worshipers lifting their voices in unison to God, setting the atmosphere. And I put for the presence of, or, yeah, for the presence of God, but that's not right. It's setting the atmosphere with the presence of God. When we worship, God shows up. So we set the atmosphere. So in other words, it's not just on me to be prayed up and ready to go. I ought to be prayed up and ready to go. But all of us have a part to play in this thing. 
is that when we come together to worship, God can come and to sit. That word inhabit means to make a chair for one to come sit in. So as we praise and we worship God, it, God comes to inhabit. He comes to sit with us. And as that happens, what it's doing is that it's, it's setting the atmosphere for the preaching of God's word. To minister in practical and powerful ways in the hearts of anyone who would hear it. There is nothing like the preaching of the word of God. I don't just say that because I'm a preacher. I'm saying that because the word of God and the preaching of the word of God has changed my life. There is something very unique about the preaching of the word of God. Why? Because it's life. Because it challenges, but it's also, it's not just the... um, it's not just the thing that convicts, it's also the thing that heals. It's also the thing that gives you the tools that you need to move forward. But that all is set in place, and I believe that even people's hearts who maybe don't even worship, that the table is set for them through our worship. So that as we have people come and to, to join in with us, we're going to make up. And we're going to get the atmosphere ready so that your heart's ready to receive from the Lord this morning. Or whatever time that may be. And so we see this here. And, you know, and so that's part of why we worship. We want passionate worship, not stale worship. We ought to raise our voice. We ought to lift our hands. We ought to, why, you know, and I'm not saying in some kind of crazy way necessarily, but at the same time, we ought to be passionate. Why? Because I'm passionate that I ain't going to hell. That's why. I'm passionate that I'm going to heaven. I am passionate that I have a new life to live in. I'm passionate that I, I, I don't struggle with depression. I, I'm, I'm passionate that God has healed my body. And I am thankful for all that he has done. And I can't wait to watch him do it in other people's life. So I'm passionate. I'm sorry if I have to apologize. But there's something wrong if I can be more excited about something on TV than I am about what God's done in my heart. It, it, there's something wrong if I'm more excited about my hobby than I am about what. And so, but that's where that passion comes from is where it's from remembering. It's from never losing sight of where God found me. And, and keeping that in the forefront of my mind. Why? Because what he did for me, he will do for others. I'm not special. I'm just one of a multitude that the power of God and the love of God have changed. Well, I want to see that happen hundreds of times over. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times over. I want to see people come to life in Christ. Now, this is probably one of the larger statements that you might disagree with me, but that's okay. The Bible says Habakkuk 2, 2, write the vision, make it plain, so that he who reads it can run with it. And he says, in the end, the vision will speak. In other words, you ain't got to defend it. It'll prove itself out. But this is probably one of the larger statements because it's like, hmm, I almost didn't put it in here, but I see a church that has influence and such an impact on our city that it helps shape the culture and the region. It's a force for the gospel to be heard like never before, an agent for good and change in the community, ministering to uh, practical needs of people without compromising who we are. I believe that as, and not just as the church North Point, but I believe that through us as individuals, God will put us in places and positions of great influence. I mean, I remember a time when I was in Kansas and um, at the senior prom, uh, you know, it had just gotten pretty out of hand in a lot of things. And the school had pretty much lost control of it, quite honestly, through the years. And so they asked, they called the, the Youth Pastor Alliance and they said, hey, could we meet with y'all? 
the school called the youth pastors asking for help. And we were like, what do you all want us to do? It's y'all's problem. Y'all created this mess. And they're like, we don't know. We don't have a clue what to do. I won't go into all the details, but there was a lot of terrible things happening. And they're like, we just need your influence. Now, let me just tell you, the, the principal was a very liberal person, to put it mildly. Very liberal. Every, very, lived a life very against the word of God in every aspect. And yet, still, and this was the exact phrase that, that they used when they talked to us. They said, we see your, the, the influence that you have, and we need what you do. What if the city called us for help? What if we were in positions and God had strategically placed you in positions in the community? I knew a man who was a very good Christian man. He was superintendent of schools. He got a little bit of influence. He was a godly man, though. You may be a teacher. You may be somebody who works in a business. You may be whatever it may be. Basically placed you in the positions and the, the places that you are. Why? Because he wants to leverage that for influence. And God will use you right where you're at. Right in the midst of your job. God may give you a different job. God may move you, promote you into a different position. Whatever it may be. We can actually have an impact in our community. Like real impact. Where we can actually really serve our community in the region. We can actually be an agent of change, like real change. Like what I was talking about, like racism. How do you deal with that? It's a big one relationship at a time. That's how. By really loving people. That's how. I mean, is there any elephant that we can tackle that's larger than that one? And yet people would say, well, we can't. We're just one little church. Okay. Somebody's got to be the first. And I'm not saying there's not other people. I don't know. They probably are. But at some point, we've got to take the gospel and the Great Commission seriously. Really, Jesus shifted culture. You go and look throughout the, really, the writing of Scripture. You go and see, I mean, the virtuous woman in Psalms, or I'm sorry, in Proverbs 31, it talks about her dealing at the gates of the city. Well, that was the gates of influence. All business and politics happened at the gates of the city. You go look in Nehemiah, they met at the gates of the city. Why? Because that's where culture was shaped. The book of Acts was written in the setting of really what today would almost be like modern day Hollywood. There was a church right in the middle of it. So many times we want to vilify everything, but we just don't want to go there and do anything about it. I saw an article. This was local, by the way. Somebody sent it to me. I don't think I remember who it was, but it was about the Murphy Arts District. And I have nothing against it, but the statement was made. In the paper. That basically, well, we used to have to fight with church folks. But they've kind of lost their teeth. It was something to that effect. So we can kind of get away with things that we couldn't have got away with in the past. That effect was actually said publicly. Something to that effect. That's not exactly the way it was worded. I didn't go look it back up. But it was something to that effect. What they're really saying is the church has no influence here anymore. Because the church loses influence, the devil gains influence. So, we need more influence. 
You know, and so, well, how's that going to happen? I don't know. I didn't tell you I had all these answers. I just told you things I was, that, I had, that I see in my heart. Things that I perceive that, that God would call us to as a church. So these are things to begin to start praying about. Begin asking the Lord to give us clear purpose and clear vision. Now, you know, and so, and there will be things in this, along this way as well, but even just practically meeting needs. You know, there are things in our community that we can go and serve. Not so that we get anything out of it. Sometimes you go and serve for the sake of serving and God will be the one to bring the increase. I see a church that realizes that none of this can happen on their own ability. This isn't on me and it's not on you to make it happen. But we have to be a church that's committed to prayer and dependent on the help of the Holy Spirit. Because we can't make any of this stuff happen. We can all leave and be like, man, that was cool, that was neat, can't wait to see what that looks like. But if we don't pray and we don't really get in a place where the Holy Spirit can help us, it ain't going to happen. It has to be the Lord. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, he who labors, labors in vain. All the work, all the toil, all the great strategies don't matter. I mean, we could hire consultants. They can come in and be like, oh, your church needs to do this, this, and this, and your church will grow by this much. I don't want to look back and say, well, that consultant was right. I would rather say, we didn't have a clue what we were doing, but God led us, and look where, look where he brought us. Look what God did. It's not about me. It's not about a person. In It's all about giving glory to him. Seeing people really connect with God in a very real way, where it makes a difference in their life. You know, and, and so, you know, these are some of the things that are in my heart. Now, I will tell you, we are currently already uh, looking into and investigating several things to do some additions to our building because, you know, we just don't have space. And uh, how many of you have realized that the foyer gets a little tight? You feel a little guilty talking to somebody out there, don't you? Why? Because there's like eight feet. And you're like, excuse me. God, just trying to get to my car. <laughs> just trying to slide by people. And so there are some things that we're already pursuing, looking into, trying to look at and just get numbers and figures and just trying to do some things so that we can put a bump out on the front of the church because we need just some space. I mean, it's tight. And so there are some things that we're looking at just along those lines just to kind of, um, you know, kind of give us a little bit of breathing room, kind of build a bridge, if you will. Um, you know, I don't know when this will happen, but I do see in the not-too-distant future where we'll be at two services. And, uh, you know, two Sunday morning services and, uh, you know, just because we need seats. And so there may come a time where I may ask you, hey, don't come to the second service. Like, I don't want to get up earlier on Sunday morning. you got to serve selflessly, right? Uh, it's just having a heart for the kingdom of God. You know, and it really is just about saying, God, your kingdom is more important than what I want. You know, and like, well, why is this happening? Growth is good. Growth is not bad. I mean, I believe that anything healthy grows. And that's one of my, kind of, my heart is for our church, is that we would be a, a healthy church. And I realize that that starts with me. I've got to be healthy as the leader. Because if I ain't healthy, ain't no doubt. It's a dirty sponge. So I, I got to keep my heart right. I got to keep things right in me. You know, but at the same time, I believe that we, we've already seen it. We've already seen increase. We've already seen just, I mean, I could tell you story after story, story. How'd y'all hear about church? I was just driving by. 
know, something told me I need to go there. Oh, it's just, you know, this or that. Whatever the case may be. There's story after story after story. Just people that just show up. Well, we've been asking the Lord to send us people. So we're going to have to make some room. You know, and so I don't have the details on any of that yet. And, uh, you know, but I do know the little front bump out thing. We're, we're actively working on that right now. Uh, so uh, hopefully, I would... I would hope by the summer that we're already into that. I want to get past Easter and uh, before we start doing any construction. And, uh, you know, but obviously, I mean, hey, we need parking. There's lots of things uh, that we need to do. And, uh, but they're all good problems. So those are things you can be praying with me about. Praying with us about for the church and really just for wisdom. Uh, you know, because like I said, I don't have a, a massive blueprint. And this is the way this is going to work. Some of it, we're going to pray it out. We're going to walk it out step at a time. That's how you do it. Just one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. And, uh, you know, but that's where I believe that we're headed. Uh, I believe God will bless our church. God will continue to be faithful to us. But also, and and please hear me in this, just because I may be making more of an emphasis on our growth, it doesn't mean that you get shortchanged in the process. You also get to, God will still minister to you right where you're at, right with what's going on in your life, but you also get to be a part of his story. You get to be a part of the story that's being written that's called North Point Church. But you get to be a part of that. I get to be a part of that. None of us are ultimately responsible. It's the Lord who brings it. But we're going to be faithful to do what God uh, calls us to do and be faithful to what he puts in our hands to do. But I believe that, I mean, the Bible is very clear. If you're faithful, you will increase. It's just a biblical principle. And so I just want to encourage you with that this morning. I know that there was, you know, maybe some things you're like, I don't know about that. Just pray about it. Again, I'm not here to be heavy-handed like this is who we are as a church dad come and get out of my way no it's the lord's church but we get to be a part of it and we get to be a part of seeing god do something that could change our community the church is not just meant to be something silent that happens on sunday mornings we should have a voice that when we speak people listen you know daniel was a a righteous voice in the midst of a very pagan culture. And yet, when he spoke, people listened. When nobody else knew what to do, they called Daniel and they're like, oh, he's a seer. He'll tell you what that means. He came and he, you know, and he did. But he didn't forfeit his righteous character at the sake of the culture in which he lived. He stood firm in the midst of it. And God blessed him right in the midst of it. And God will do the same for us.